0: Welcome to the Same 24 Hours podcast. The podcast is currently on more or less hold to accommodate the recordings for the daily community meetup. During this crazy time, I'm having daily meetings online via Zoom where we can all join and see each other on video and there's special guests. And so I thought I would post the replays here on the podcast so those who can't listen live can listen later. So here we go, continuing on with the daily community meetups. If you'd like to join, all you have to do is go to swimbikemom.com forward slash meet, M-E-E-T, mom.com forward slash meet, and you can join us any day of the week, 12 noon Eastern during the week, and weekends I'm doing 8 p.m. Eastern on Saturday and Sunday. So I hope you all enjoyed this episode of the Daily Community Meeting. Hi, and welcome to The Same 24 Hours Podcast. I'm Meredith Atwood, author of the book, The Year of No Nonsense. I'm a former attorney turned writer, speaker, and Ironman triathlete. Although right now, all I really like to do is lift weights. We all have the same 24 hours, but it's what we do in those hours that leads to our greatest health, happiness, and success. It's my goal to crack the code on a life of less nonsense so we can all make the most of our 24 hours. So let's get started. So welcome to, I don't even know what number this is, of the Daily Community Meetup. Just a place for people to join, see other faces that maybe perhaps aren't patients or <laughs> children. <laughs> and you know just different people so welcome it's great to see you all and I'm very excited tonight because right before um I got the scheduled Christina which where are you oh there you are Christina oh now that I see you I know you I know. <laughs> now that I see You up close yeah um she offered to lead us in the, breathing, the meditation tonight so that's awesome so we're gonna do that um I wanted to open it up tonight with a reading from this book by Nancy Roth called The Breath of God. Very spiritual. Um, oh, you know what? I'm going to mute, mute most of you just in case. It's noisy. Um, but I thought this would be a nice intro into the meditation. So I'm going to read this, and then Christina, I will unmute you, and you can lead us in some... Oh, should be good. Okay. Learning to breathe again may mean rearranging our lives... So that they contain a holy spaciousness this endeavor is more a matter of changing our attitude than of merely changing our schedule most of us have more control over our expenditure of time than we admit the restlessness which is born of our fear of emptiness causes us to fill our free moments with usefulness part of the faith journey as we mature is finally to take full responsibility for our time and for our prayer as we become fed up, fed up with our own excuses and opt for living, not partly living. A change of attitude occurs when we recognize that, despite our restlessness and fears, our priority in life is one that continues well beyond our present life. It is a priority, moreover, which gives zest and meaning to our present life which I thought was lovely. And I read that and I'm like, yeah, I don't do any of that. I don't, I'm, you guys, this is all hard for me, but I try and read this stuff so I can, you know, and it's been a long time for me to come to this place of um, trying to do this because I poo-pooed meditation for so many years, but um, it's it's good stuff. So here we are. Oh, there's a kidlet that just walked by and (laughs) they're everywhere. Hello, kidlet. Okay, Um, so Christina, I'm gonna unmute you and give you the floor. So um, uh, someone asked what book it was this. This book is The Breath of God, Nancy Roth. I had to buy it used and it smells very old. So I don't even know, it looks like an old book. (laughs) Other old books are bad, but okay. All right, Christina, I'll shut up now.
1: Thank you, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to, um, I reached out. Uh, So just take a moment, sit in your seat, so sit back if you're too engaged forward, close your eyes, settle in, and we're gonna take a deep inhale through the nose, big inhale, fill your belly, exhale out through the mouth, another inhale through the nose, Exhale out through the mouth. One more just like that. Inhale. Exhale out through the mouth. Settle in. Eyes closed. Soften the face. Relax the shoulders. Just come into a place of stillness. Finding a little bit of softness in the corners of your eyes and the corners of your mouth. Feeling a gentle rise and fall in your chest with each breath. Feeling a warmness in your heart, a warmness in your belly and allow that to wash over you from the crown of your head, down past your ears, over the shoulders, to the fingertips, down the legs, to the toes. Inhale through the nose, fill the belly. Exhale out through the mouth, nice and slow, controlled. One more inhale, big belly breath. Exhale out through the mouth. If you'd like, bring your hands together at the center of your heart. Just feel the softness of your fingertips as they join a little more warmth in your palms. Namaste.
0: Thank you. Thank you. And I forgot to say who you are. You gave me all that information. So Christina Roberts (laughs) um, lives in Pennsylvania with her daughters and she is a health IT leader and a yoga instructor. So thank you, Christina. I appreciate that. That was very lovely. Very lovely. Thank you. Interestingly, um, the, the meditation that starts anytime it starts with me wanting to be in my body, like to feel energy moving through my body down to my fingertips. I have struggled with that type of meditation for a really, really long time. And I think anyone with, with trauma or PCSD can, um, can attest to what that's like. And so over the last year and a half, me being able to actually envision energy in my body or being in my body is like a really challenging, but also interesting journey. <laughs> so, so, I mean, when I, the first time I ever did that, they were like, feel, and I was like, no, nope, what's next? <laughs> I don't, no, thanks. I'll feel nothing right now through the body. So, but thank you for that. That was very helpful. Um, I want to read one quick thing from a quote from Elizabeth Lesser, and then I will introduce our special guest for the evening, Elizabeth Lesser. This she was on Oprah, Oprah's Super Soul Sunday. You can either break down and stay broken down and eventually shut down, or you can break open. It's a decision you make. It's a commitment quote, I am going through a very hard time. I'm not going to waste this precious experience, this opportunity to become the best me. Elizabeth says, through the experience of getting divorced and becoming a single mother, I lost everything. My financial security, my self image, my support, my home, everything changed for me. In the depth of that loss, I found out who I really was. I began to trust who I was I began to find a genuine me that could withstand anything and if we fight those times and fight the bat the bud opening we live half of a life but when we open into our brokenness that's when we blossom and so with that um, we're gonna I'm gonna introduce Emily Lynn Paulson I want to continually call you Emily Ann, <laughs> Emily Lynn um, And I don't even know how we found out about each other, but Emily's story is is absolutely fantastic. And I want you guys to hear it from her. But um, afterwards, we're gonna open up the floor for you guys to talk. I want to do this. I love when people raise their hand and speak on these. So it's super nice to connect to each of you. But um, I'll let Emily tell her story, but I did wanna read this from her book. It's called Highlight Real, and I will post a link to it. Um, But I love this, it's right toward the end. She said, for the first time, I realized I wasn't alone. Tragically, I was an enormous company. I knew that I needed to tell my story, not to bring further shame to my family, but to help other women be released from theirs. I started talking about my addiction. I started sharing about my anxiety, and I started seeing other women nod, nod their heads, connecting to my truth. I was so far from alone. For the first time in my life, I was right in the middle. So with that, I'm going to turn it over to Emily Lynn, and um, yeah, thank you for being here.
2: Thanks for having me, Meredith. And um, I was, I was just, I got back last night from um, from Mexico. Um, that's a whole other crazy story, but I made it. I'm back. I'm alive. Um, and I did. I finally finished your book. And, oh wow! Thanks. And, point. I don't know if you can see. I mean, at, at what point do you not dog ear anymore? pages <laughs> um but like accordion. I know. it's like I destroy books I, I just I'm the worst on books but I like I just live through them but um I I just I there were so many similarities and anyway I loved it I could talk about that all day but um I think that's where um I, I, I'm not even sure how we connected honestly I think I saw I, someone sent me a one of your podcast episodes, and then I started following you. I don't remember who it was, though, um, who, who, who I listened to, but I was like, oh, I like this chick. Oh, she wrote a book, and then <laughs> another, and here I am. Yeah. Um, I loved what you, I've loved, loved in the quote, found out who I was, really found out who I was, like that, I feel like is, has been the biggest thing. You know, I'm forty, almost 41 years old, and I feel like I'm, I, I know, I have such a stronger sense of self than I ever had. And not that I just kind of didn't know who I was like, I literally had no idea who I was my whole life. I was really absorbing who I was from other people. Um, so like Meredith said, I, I um, wrote a book and kind of how that came about, I, I got sober three and a half years ago. And I was in this place where I, I could look back and see that alcohol had been a theme in my life. And since I took my first drink at you know 14, um, but how it had really weaved its way in and and it was so justified. Uh, You know, as I was a teenager in high school, when teenagers are drinking, they're doing something wrong, right? So it's not, you know, you really don't have a lot of shame around it because you kind of fit in with your peers if they're drinking too. And in college, binge drinking really isn't that odd, unfortunately. And so my behavior didn't look that different. And then especially as an adult and becoming a mom, Um, it, that's, that's really one thing I talk about a lot now is, is the mommy wine culture. And, and that is what just destroyed me, um, or almost destroyed me. Um, you know, I was able to give up alcohol for nine months at a time, five times. I have five kids and oh and my I gosh
0: to... no wonder yeah <laughs> I always wonder how people have any more than two and you know like, okay free, I can see but when we start talking four and five I don't understand you know yeah, love that, right? yeah. we're just <laughs> irresponsible really that's my
2: reason um <laughs> but I always use that as a justification well gosh if I can stop I, I don't have a problem so that when I did drink I always drank you know, alcoholically, I guess, for lack of a better word, I always drank to excess. And anytime that something bad happened, I had always been drinking and not that something Mm. bad happened every time I drank, but anytime I said something horrible, got in a fight with someone, posted something stupid, sent a text I shouldn't have sent. I mean, the list goes really long. Alcohol was always involved. And so I got to this point where I had had all these rock bottom moments. I'd had the DUI. Um, you know, I'd had an affair. Um, I had a suicide attempt and, and all of these things that here I am with these kids at home. And I, you know, I cannot even face, I, I had to put a name to what it was, you know, that I had to say I'm an alcoholic and, and it was really the most mundane evening. And, um, it was actually after, after the, uh, New Year's Eve. And we'd gone out, of course, and drank, um, but not a ton. And it was just a typical kind of night with friends. And I had blacked out an entire weekend of my life. And it wasn't, you know, blackouts had become more frequent, but it was like, gone. I couldn't remember processing credit card information, you know, for customers talking to people on the phone, uh, doing projects with my kids, all of these things that I mean, it was just, was completely gone. And it was just like listening to my kids downstairs with my husband and listening to what their life was going to be like. Cause I knew I was just, I was eliminating myself day by day by day. And you know, that was enough for me to reach out to the one person I knew who was sober. Of course I know more sober people now. I just, you know, you look for what you look for. I never looked for sober people. I know.
0: I never used to, I'm like, who doesn't drink? Well, there's but
2: you know, she was someone who, who over those years when I was contemplating realizing that it was a problem, but unable to do anything who I knew I was going to, at some point reach out to, it was like this inevitable, I'll get sober after this. I'll get sober after this. I'll get sober after this. Well, then you get a DUI and then you are in the hospital and then you're sick and then, me, how, how much longer can I push this off? So I reached out to her and, and it just started the whole process of me, you know, reading, I read every recovery memoir out there. Um, all the quitlet, you know, I have, I have all of them in my office and I started writing and, and I, I just felt so compelled to share my story And what I thought really would be a story of a mom, you know, one thing I didn't read was like a mom of many kids getting sober. I kind of thought that's what it would be. I'm going to talk about how, you know, my process of getting sober and how that went. And then all of a sudden I'm like, hmm, I I, I got some work to do here.
0: Uh, (laughs) I know. This is what happened to me too. I thought I was going to write this fun, little fun book and Yeah. yeah. Funny how Shoot. that
2: works. <laughs> yeah, this isn't just that alcohol. Weird. It's not just that hmm. all of a sudden you take the alcohol away and
0: oh, I have all these other problems. That's so odd. <laughs> isn't that weird though, not to interrupt you, but isn't it weird oh. that when you do the you take care of the big bleeder. I mean, yes, alcohol was the big bleeder for me. It was for you, you know, it may be something else for someone else. But you take that away and you really think like, all right, everything's going to be good now, but that is what the big leader is is that's the coping mechanism that's what's mm-hmm. held you together all this time like strangely in a way yeah. and then you have to figure out okay like what do i do without my blankie <laughs>
2: yeah and that's really where the work started and and i really was that person and even though there were a few things publicly like like i said i had an affair you know there were things publicly that people knew um there were people who knew maybe i drank too much there were also people who didn't even know i drank um, so this, what I looked like from the outside, and that's why I called the book "Highlight Reel." Is I looked like I had it all together. I was happy. I had this great job. I had these wonderful kids. This great, this great husband, and it was just all like I wasn't even meeting my own expectations of myself. And so it was even this weird inner struggle, that comparison trap against myself, that person who didn't even exist, the person on Instagram, and. And so I really had to just take a look at, at myself and okay, what's really going on. And, and then it was peeling that onion. And like Meredith, you talk about that so much in your book is like, what's the next layer of, of the onion. And I loved, I loved that because that's exactly what it looked like for me it was, okay, I drank and you know, I drank because of this situation. well Why did that situation happen? And going back to, you know, disordered eating or, you know, love addiction, these relationships that I would always, that would implode because I would, you know, um, sabotage them and, and friendships and, and all of these things that I had to really just keep peeling back the layers. I had to go to therapy. I had to do EMDR. Um, you know, and then all of a sudden my writing turned into my entire life back to, you know, when I was eight years old. And mm. and to see how those things, how early those things start, and I think part of scary. it
0: too—it's
2: super scary,
0: especially. How scary is it with a mom at being a mom of five and realizing yes, that too? Exactly what I was going to so.
2: say is, you know, when I look back and realize, you know, my oldest is fifteen, and you know, by his age, I was already drinking and doing all kinds of stuff, and, and just to have that knowledge of, you know, the story can look be so much different. And, and it's, it's interesting how, um, it's obviously changed the role as a parent for me, just just that, um, you know, being able to communicate and having, you know, having a parent who goes to AA, gets sober, you know, has a breathalyzer in their car, <laughs> things that you have
0: to <laughs> do. Now I'm going to be like the, I'm better than you drunk. Cause I never stooped that low. Yeah, oh, yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Let me tell you the most awkward field trip is when you have to have the third grade teacher in your car and you've got a breathalyzer in the car. Like there's nothing more awkward.
0: <laughs> but you know why I never bought one of those? Cause like, I didn't, I knew I was always over.
2: Like oh, I, yeah. never,
0: I never drank like little enough to be under. So I think that's probably why I never bought it. I'm like, right.
2: well, I mean, I, I was forcibly like the court forced me to have this in my car. So oh. <laughs> That was the point when I'm like, well, I guess. Oh, I guess-
0: oh, it's one of those. So I was thinking it was one yeah. of like the recreational ones you bought and like. Had. I I
2: too, but so, yeah, okay.
0: <laughs> Carry on.
2: <laughs> um, but that was the point where then I had to confront it. Like, okay, I did this thing. I drank and drove. I wasn't supposed to, and the kids were little, obviously littler then. But and their questions were so eye opening and made me realize, wow. I have never questioned this more than a seven-year-old has. <laughs> you know, why do you drink if you have to drive afterwards? Why do people drink if it's bad for you? Why the, all of these questions that I'm like, oh yeah, no shit. These are great questions.
0: <laughs> why do you ask so many questions, kid?
2: <laughs> yeah, and, and it, that was really, really super eye-opening. And that was about a month before I, I I got sober that I'm like, oh my gosh, this is, it's so true. and And I had to start asking myself all those questions, but it's been so great then having that dialogue with my kids that i i never had before questions i'd never answered never gone down that road before that you know now we can talk about those things and hey these are your choices to make but when i was your age you know i had my first drink and it this is how it turned out and you know i don't know if it's genetic um you know my parents didn't drink so but yet I, i i developed a huge drinking problem so you know, you don't really want to roll the dice, and and it's it's been a really good, just I don't, I don't want to say parenting tactic, but it's been such a good way to open that communication, um, and 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 it's something I didn't have with my parents, but now I I really have been able to have that, mm-hmm. and it's it's surprising, and I'm sure you've you've you know felt the same after having your story out there and putting things out there that you're like I cannot believe I'm going to say this, let alone put it in paper, you know, for everybody in the world to read, and just how freeing that is.
0: Freeing and terrifying. I mean, Christina, <laughs> I think she was at one of my book events where um, someone asked me a question, and I don't know if it was you, Christina, but someone asked me, like, well, how does it feel to, you know, have all this out in the world? And I was like, it's terrible. <laughs> like, I I feel freed sometimes, but the book for me was another level of of horrible. Like, I don't know, like something about putting the book out was way harder than a blog post or I guess, because it's forever. Like, it's not like I can be like, take it back, delete, like they're out there, you know? Um, But at the same time, it's
2: like once that was part of it for me too. I'm like, if I put this in words and it's out there and no one reads it or someone reads it and they hate it, like it's no longer in my head and it has no power over me anymore. Right. Uh, Overwhelmingly, that was the feeling I had was like, you know, you want my email password? Go ahead. Like, what are you going to find out? There's <laughs> there's nothing else that I haven't put out there. Um, right. And and I, I think too, like, again, when, when I first got sober, just reading and reading and reading it, it gave me so much comfort to know that other people were just as screwed up as I am and, yeah. and that we all are. Like, we're all, we, we really are. And, you know, it's normal to be crazy. I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but <laughs> you know, what we think of, what we measure ourselves against does not exist. No. To know that. So I wanted, I just wanted to pay it forward. And, you know, I wanted to recover out loud and really for other moms who were like me and acting like everything was okay, never asking for help. Um, and, and drowning in these, uh, this, again, the mommy wine culture where it was, it was not only accepted it was expected everywhere i went and um you know just i really want other people to question it so that's you know again yeah it's nonsense it's all nonsense
0: and so (laughs) um (laughs) nonsense that's the next book everything is nonsense (laughs) everything's
2: nonsense so um yeah so now here i am like being put to the test with uh you know i'm in seattle and like the epicenter of you know us coronavirus and we're shut down and i got five kids i got homeschool. so if i can stay sober through this like i'm good i'm totally right.
3: good <laughs>
0: right. and i think these are great times to try these experiments because like i quit drinking over the holidays um in 2015 yeah. um, and i thought you know what if i can get through christmas and new year i can be sober i can just be sober and I did it. And here I am four years later, and I'm just sober. And it's, it's a non issue. And that's, that's the beautiful thing is when you've done the work around it. And the big thing is no longer a big thing. Mm-hmm. And that's such a gift. But I have other things that are big things like it's food right now. I mean, for God's
2: sake, like I I'm had to- all day and you know, you I'm mean, disordered eating is a part of my history yeah. too. And, and it's, it is hard because I'm very much of like all no food is off limits, da da But then you know, there's a point, right? <laughs> you got to put a limit on it somewhere. when it's when you're around it all day long, there's it's a limit. Really hard, yeah. there's so hard to have that balance. And That's then again, hundred
0: pound life needs people. I mean, you know, yeah. there doesn't have to be a limit, I guess. But <laughs>
3: yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, I've been known to sit down and watch my six hundred pound life and order a pizza. You know, I mean, it's it's all these healthy coping mechanisms. I, I okay. like I used to watch The Biggest Loser all the time and just get smashed. And I
2: was just thinking that when you said that is I when I watch The Biggest Loser, I'd always get so hungry, and that's so t- <laughs>
0: <laughs> like why I mean, do you you like sympathy that? eat for these people that are
2: I'm watching yeah. this lady like yell and starve these people like I need to eat something.
0: And, well, I remember like when I was in law school and I'd watch the biggest, like, gosh, has it been that long? It has to have been. Um, e- at the beginning of every season, my husband and I would be like, "Fist book, this is the, this is the time we're getting on board and we're going to do this with them, you know? And so four days later, we, you know, we're not doing it. We're just sitting on the couch drinking beer. And then I remember every time at the end when they would, do their big (laughs) weight reveal I would be so angry and I'm like it's just not fair it's just it's just not fair why are they thin now I hate this show and you know turn it off and um but I can watch it now and I'm like oh god that just looks really hard eating any food anyway
2: (laughs) yeah I think it's times like these that really like it's a test for sure in in so many ways but but you're right and like You know, as far as drinking goes, my first trip um, sober was to Munich to Oktoberfest. So it was something like to test you more than a beer garden. And it was amazing. It was great. There was so many non-alcoholic options. I had so much fun. I remembered all of it. Yeah. Well, if I had held out for that one next thing, because that was one of the things too, well, I can't get sober before Octoberfest. That's ridiculous.
0: There's always and, another re- thing. There's always.
2: Yeah, there always, there would have been that
0: next thing and there still
2: would be. Now, oh, I got to be home with my kids for the next God knows how long. i better fill my fridge. That, that's really what I think right now is the, is the panic that I would have of what if the liquor store is closed.
0: right. Um, how, do, how many bottles do we need? Like I talked about that yesterday, I think. Um, how many bottles do two major drinkers need if they drink two bottles each for a possible <laughs> four-week <laughs> week quarantine? Like, I'm like, oh my God, number one, math. But that's like cases. I mean, that's not, we're not even in bottles anymore. We're in cases and that's bad. Like, it's just not yeah. a good thing. And then I think too, like, you know, at
2: the end of this time, if all my kids do is see that I can handle this sober and they don't learn any math, I'm good. Uh, I
0: think yeah. I've done my job, right? And I just let that stuff go. Yeah, you, you can. Yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> well, thank you, Emily, for coming yeah. on and sharing. And if anyone has any questions or comments on on what we've talked about, like we can hang out as long as you guys want to. Um, I think I think everyone has a thing. I know sometimes people are like, "Well, you're always talking about alcohol." I'm like, "Well, what's your thing?" Then we can we can just remove the word alcohol from tonight tonight's talk, and we can talk about your food addiction, your shopping addiction, your porn addiction, (laughs) like pick one, like which one is it, like you're gossiping, like whatever, like we've all got a blankie, and so sugar, yeah, Mm -hmm. I mean, and so it's all the same, it is all the same, it really is, alcohol just is Worse (laughs) results, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) Like you eat a lot, you just get fat. You get drunk, (laughs) you can really do some damage. I don't know. You can get a DUI with too much, too many Doritos, but yeah. Although I've eaten (laughs) enough sugar, where I think I could have gotten a DUI. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's impossible. Oh my gosh! My gosh. Um. So you're in Seattle. How are things there? Crazy. Crazy. It's, it's bizarre.
2: Um, We don't, we actually surprisingly don't have the shelter in place, Mm. Um, but we have, you know, all parks are closed. All schools are closed. All restaurants are closed. Everything over 10 people is closed. The grocery stores are open, but they're only letting so many people in. Um, It's weird. I had to take my daughter to urgent care today because she has an ear infection and, and like, they wouldn't let us in the door without, you know, like, are you coughing? Are <laughs> you, you know, and, um, yeah. which we weren't, thank God, but, um, it's, yeah, no gyms are open. Um, you know, it's weird. It's really weird.
0: It's really weird here, too. I'm in Massachusetts, um, outside of Boston, like, way outside. Yeah. um, as close as we could afford <laughs> to Boston, which is like 25 miles away, but, um, it's, it's like a ghost town, and, um, it's very weird, like, I had to go to Whole Foods, I have we've not gone anywhere, and I think, for the most part, nine days, my husband's not gone anywhere, he's like, if anyone brings the virus, it's on you, and then he's like, so can you go to the store, and I'm like, what is that about, you know, um, but, so I went to, to Whole Foods, and it's just weird, the, um, just the energy, you know, yeah. and like picking up on that, and everyone's real cagey, and yeah. um I don't know. And I, I got a bit of a coughing fit when I was in there, and it was just like I swallowed my spit wrong, and I started coughing, and I was like, "Oh God!" Of all time to like have a coughing fit, you know, not now. This is bad, Meredith, very bad. Um, but yeah, it's just that's the, and so it kind of goes back to the things that we can control and. Our attitude and our thoughts, because if you and I put headphones in when I go into these places now because i 'm like i can 't deal with the internet, like I put on snow patrol and I just walk <laughs> and I get my groceries with my gloves on um, and but that headspace is all we have right now mm-hmm. because everything else is banana yeah, and yeah, yeah,
2: and controlling like how, you know I have like what do I have, and that 's when you know i I know everyone has like these morning routines that they do. And mine's very simple. Like I just check in with my senses. Like, what do I see? What do I hear? You know, how does my coffee taste? Like I just kind of center myself. Like I'm here, I'm okay. And and like, what do I have? And it's, it's like, you know, similar to like a gratitude list or something, yeah. but it's so like, so overwhelming in times like this, when you're like, okay, I have enough food. I have toilet paper. I have <laughs> all my health. Um, I have, I work from home, you know, my husband still has his job. We like, we have access to online school for our kids, like how we have everything we need. And so starting there, then I don't future trip into like, Oh God, what if, what what if, what if, if?" um, it's, you know, it's just focusing on what I have and what's in front of me instead of what's happening out there. Cause I like, that's just, that's a lot. That's true
0: too. Cause I've, I've spoken to a lot of people whose jobs are in jeopardy and who yeah. are looking at, like, I don't know how I'm going to pay rent. And, and I keep telling them, I'm like of all the times for us to all be in this together, unfortunately we're all in it together but fortunately we're all in it together because what happens as a society and a community when we're all in it together is that banks have to do moratoriums on foreclosures and people can't do evictions and you know their tax deadlines get extended and so there is some relief you know in that it's never enough I mean it's never enough but there is that sense of okay we're all in this together and I, I don't think there's any of us who if we were asked directly for help would turn anyone down and so I think it's on on us to really open our eyes and see how we can help and in, in, in ways we are able um, but also it's kind of, I talk about it in my book too that no one's coming for you mm-hmm. <laughs> and in a time like this when I'm like it's a community I'm also like it's a community that no one's coming for you unless you yeah. say you need it because that's kind of the caveat unless we we reach out and show up and say I need something no, no one knows to to reach out a hand sometimes because everyone's crazy right now right well and it's like you know i have friends who are nurses and the hospitals here
2: i mean you know we have the, the most people have died in seattle and right. And, you know, I have a friend who is a nurse at the specific hospital where like, lots of people have died and they don't have masks. I mean, like the most simple things. And so she's like, if you know anybody who can sew masks, here's instructions. I'm like, I can't sew, but I have a sewing machine. And I never even thought of that. Like, why, first of all, why do I have a sewing machine? That's ridiculous. Because I am not, like, that's not my thing. But <laughs> like, hey, who knows how to sew? Come get my sewing machine. And so like this gal on, the, on this community mm. page we're on, who I don't even really personally know, got it. And she's already made like a hundred masks, you know? So it's like, if you all, if you pull resources together and that's a very small thing, but it's so true. Like for all the people who are out of toilet paper, I'm sure there's someone who's hoarded enough that they can share. And so just, just talking about it, it's like, yeah, you are, you kind of, nobody's coming for you. But if you, if you put out there like what you need, this is what I need. And that's something that I struggled with for years You know how are you doing? Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm good. I'm fine. Yeah. No, I'm fine. I'm good. Like no, I'm not fine. Uh, you know, I need, you know, X, Y, Z, and it's it's hard. But I think that's what's keeping people together right now.
0: So I'll tell you a funny story, and then I'm gonna open it up. So I want someone to to talk. So someone be prepared. Work on your. Remember, this is working on our public speaking skills. This is <laughs> this is public speaking boot camp. In case you know, if anything else, um, but. <laughs> I was like not concerned about the toilet paper situation whatsoever. So I like, I told, we were at dinner and my kid was like, well, do we have toilet paper? I'm like, yeah, we do. But like, if we don't, we can just use like a rag or something and wash it. And they were all like, the three of them were horrified. And I thought, is that like really that odd that if we didn't have toilet paper, we couldn't just get a bunch of ratty dish towels, wipe our butts and throw it in like the disinfectant hot water washer? Like, is that that bad? <laughs> But they were horrified because toilet paper, and I was like, well, we can find something to wipe our asses with, can't we? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Maybe I'm wrong. And like all the medical people are like, no, you can't do that. You'll get dysentery or scurvy (laughs) or something. (laughs) Are we on the Oregon Trail now? Like, really? It will be okay. My mom used cloth diapers and was like, yeah, why not? Wipe butts with those. They were good enough for us. Yeah. All right. Does anyone want to jump in and say what's going on? What's on their mind? What's on what's going on in their community? You can always just lift your hand. And if not, I won't call on you. I won't be that person. I was scarred by a teacher who used to call on me. So I don't do it. And then I went to law school where they do Socratic methods. So I I won't do that to anyone. (laughs) If anyone would like to just give us a, a pulse on what's going on. That was awesome. Oh, Tracy. <laughs> Hello, lady. I'm trying to unmute you. There you go. Wait. Hold on. I think I muted you back. Hold on.
1: There you go. All
4: right. There. <laughs> Thank you. Um, okay, so first of all, just to update on my community since you were asking. I live in Kansas City um, and we're currently under the 10-day, or not 10-day, the 10-person you know no more than until May fifteenth, and um we just found out a few hours ago that starting Tuesday were under um stay at home orders for the next thirty days um, so things are changing here quickly and drastically, yeah, um so, and I'm an extrovert um and it's just. My husband and my dog and me. So, um,
0: so you'll be on these every i
4: That'll day. be I'm on you <laughs> Um But we'll get through it. As as Emily Lynn said, you know,
3: exactly,
4: exactly, yes. Um, but as Emily Lynn said, I've, we've got everything we need, um, and there are so many people who are, you know, losing things and losing jobs and worried about um, so much. And having to deal with children at home, which I don't have to. So um, I'm very, very fortunate. Um, so, my question, and this really goes both to um, Emily and Anne Meredith. Um, I'm currently working on my own memoir. And the thing that I struggle with is what you talked about in regard to you have to get your truth out and you have. To tell your story but as you do that you know that you're going to be um saying things that either people in your family haven't heard before or that you know will be in some way as it's revealed to um an audience outside of close family or friends yeah and um how did
0: how did you work through that Okay, I'm going to mute you back. Your connection was kind of spotty, but I think- I'm curious how you worked through that. Yeah, I think I got missed the gist of it, which was, did you hear Emily? Yeah. Okay, okay. I'll let you want to respond to that. Yeah, sure. Um, So I was very, um,
2: I I, I tried to make sure that, you know, whatever I was saying, I was really saying my story. And of course, everybody has a part in in everything. Um, You know, my childhood, my parents obviously had a huge part in it. But I really tried to, to tell it from my perspective without telling it from theirs, um, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. And my what I perceived and what I understood. And, um, you know, I actually didn't, I finished my memoir before I had my parents read it and before I even had my husband read it. Because I wanted to have it all from my perspective, and then of course I asked for feedback. Like, is there anything in here that you are not comfortable, or you? Oh want- wow, you did. Yeah, because right. because you know, there was, yeah, there was. <laughs> some stuff in there you know there were some things that you know detailed you know things with my husband and I, so I wanted to make sure that they were in alignment with them. Um, there were a lot of things that my parents didn't know. There were some things that my husband didn't know, yeah. and so you know I think for me that was the biggest thing is like as long as the people who I know and care about the most, you know, know and know this is out there and are comfortable with, with it. Now I wouldn't have changed anything like the way things happened or, you know, changed the actual storyline or anything like that. But I think there is a way to tell your story and your truth and still protect other people. Um, and, you know, change names and, you know, you, there, there are ways that, you know, you have to like legally go about it too, but, if you're just coming from it from a place of like I feel this happened or I felt this way and not necessarily um, from what this person was thinking, like my parents thought this. Well, I don't really know what they thought because I wasn't them. And so, um, it's, I don't know what mine were thinking either.
0: I mean, oh, never mind. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so you know, it's it, it really I think. Um, You know, saying it from your viewpoint, and I've talked to other people who, you know, they didn't maybe let their families read it, or, you know, they, I think it's a very personal decision. Yeah, Meredith, like, how did that work for you, Meredith?
0: Oh, swimmingly, Um, but, you know, part of of my thing, and I've, anyone that's heard me talk, and a lot of you have, I know, but, um, you know, I didn't let my parents read it until three days before it was on the shelves, so oh. they didn't even get it until I I was going to give it to him after final final and the editor you know my publisher was like it's done and you can't change it. I was going to give it to him then but I was so freaked out that um I I just couldn't I held on to it till the last minute and I was like oh shit it's going to be on the shelves Tuesday. I better get it to him by Saturday cuz um but my whole thing was so to answer Tracy's question first write down everything. Mm-hmm. Write it all down. If you're writing a memoir, write it all down and write freely, edit heavily. Um, There is no harm in writing everything down. And if that's 250,000 words, (laughs) that's gonna later be culled down to 60,000, fine. But um, write it all down and then read it over and over and over again. And then take a pass from the point of view of the person who you're concerned about offending if you care, (laughs) if you care, and then ask the question, is this just um, for the point of shock or is this for the point of value? And that was the final pass I took. Um, I had some stories about a business breakup in there that were just digs and the last pass, I sliced them. I was like, there's no value to this. This is just me making a dig. And that's not, that's nonsense. Um, So there, I think if you go about it and you're in the right headspace during the editing phase, you will get there. Cause my, um, my biggest concern was that I was not telling it truthfully, or I was doing it to hurt. And where I am with my parents now is is we've never been better because they know my truth. We've had to, you know, mush through it a little, but if I would have let them read it, I would have changed my version of the truth. And so that's where I ended up on it. I did pass a few stories through my husband, um, but I just, just like generally, and he's like, Ooh, he's like, if you gotta, you know, stuff like that. And I'm like, yeah, I gotta. (laughs) Um, But uh, you know, I, I think Emily Lynn's right. Like I didn't tell it from anyone else's viewpoint. And so I think, I think that's some, I think that's some solid advice. High five. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) <laughs> definitely get a legal read
2: too. have a lawyer oh, okay. <laughs> um yeah because we you know they all, they have a good perspective too of like eh, you know you maybe just change you know him from it make make him a little less identifiable or maybe right. you and know they
0: always do that stuff like take someone and make them your friend make them a business partner or make the business partner a coach you know just by doing that you can be like prove it <laughs>
2: But I had a a similar, you know, and there was someone in in my story too, who I wrote it in a way that at the end of the day, after I read it and read it, and edited that I, it was spiteful it was yeah. very much in like kind of a revenge sort of right. way that's i mean not- i
0: did get i did like not that i always have this handy but this is my desk so <laughs> not to be like oh so you have a quote but i did put in the acknowledgements this is my final dig and i don't regret it i love it for the haters the trolls and those cut out of my life during the year of no nonsense each time you tried to bury me you actually planted me <laughs> so i kept that one i was like yeah oh, yeah, yeah the end of the book um but I didn't name anyone so yeah you know, I, I wouldn't change a thing and so I think when you tell your truth and you do it in a way that is is just so honest and it's not for the purpose of just hurting someone I think you win I mean, I think that's the best writing advice I got but um I think uh Kristen was gonna say something are you gonna say something Kristen no. can you hear me I can hey sweet oh, friend
3: I'm not good at speaking. That's Sorry not much. true. You're much better at this. Not true. Um, I have that haters comment highlighted in my copy of your book. <laughs> <laughs> I love that comp- that that dig that they planted me. Um, sure. But I am a, uh, I'm a physician and um, my family owns four clinics here um, just south of Atlanta. I think our state is number three on the number of cases. And this is actually the first time I have chosen to sit and think about what's going on and I actually didn't want to log or log on tonight because I didn't really want to stop and think about it because I'm I did a fellowship in global health and tropical medicine I led teams through the Haiti earthquake I was there for Haiti's cholera outbreak I've ran a clinic in Ghana I've done this overseas it's a little different when you're staffing for clinics and you're in charge of writing all the protocols and it's just been been a lot. It's been 10 days. Um, We're the only place probably within a hundred mile radius that's even doing testing. Um, And we have tested a lot. We're testing about 50 to 100 people a day. And we were there all day today, all hands on deck. Staff morale is good, but it's kind of like, I haven't even stopped to think about it. And like when I come home tonight, my husband's a doctor, I'm a doctor, my dad's a doctor. We're all on the front lines and I'm holding my three-year-old who's telling me that Peppa Pig is gonna be okay because she doesn't have coronavirus. She just <laughs> has a rash. It's not serious, mommy. So it's just, you know, it, it affects her. She hears us talking about it, but I mean, these people are sick and it's, it's different when it's, I've done it overseas and, um, I, but I've learned how to be resourceful and I'm, I'm thankful. This kind of like this knowledge set that I never knew I'd have to use here it's 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 kind of cool to to use it but um to see the fear in your nurse i've had nurses one i had to send home today in quarantine for 14 days and just the people you know it's different than than just anything overseas but yeah it's been it has been a hell of a 10 days but we've also had our community we've had so much uh, the personal protective equipment donated we've had auto paint and body shops drop stuff by we've had, it's it's just been the outpouring of support to our clinic has been amazing. And um, anyways, I'm thankful, but I was kind of scared to like stop and pause because like as soon as I stop to think about this, I might break down, So, but I'm doing pretty good. And I have I have my things of past things, I have addictions that I've cut and worked with Meredith through over the last, thank God I did the work, right? Starting in the last six months ago, because this would be a shit show if I had not done or started that work when I did yeah so anyways I've spoken enough but anyway so I have I have texted Meredith has been my accountability person when I have those when I want to reach to things for comfort and um, I'm proud to say that I haven't Um, and I've kind of just kept going and doing the next thing and still staying with my morning um, intentions every day I'm writing my thankfulness every day trying to drink my water and and sleep drink
0: your water, drinking. It really
3: always goes back to drinking my water. I don't know why it <laughs> feels like that centers me, but I have a water bottle, and today underneath my mask and on my head equipment, I had my Hello Kitty water bottle, like with a little straw going up, <laughs> and I was like, it was just a tiny win for myself that I was drinking my water in the midst of all of it. So, so thank you, Meredith, for all of your help because you're doing what I don't really trust anybody else to do in my life to have that kind of access. So. It's it is it has helped our community because I've been able to be available and I know I wouldn't have been able to be this available or transparent. We're even speaking to you guys right now six months ago. So thank you, Meredith.
0: Oh well thank well thank you for what you're doing and I and you should be so proud of yourself in all the areas, like just yeah. just everything. So I'm proud to know you, my friend.
3: Thank you. Thank you.
0: All right. We have a few more minutes. If anyone else would like to pop on and just let us know how you're doing. Any takers? No. Okay. That's okay. Well, Emily, thank you so much for joining us during this. I will post where you can follow her, but it's highlight real recovery, right? On Instagram. I love Instagram. Instagram is my favorite. So I know it's great. I'm so tired of I like Facebook for friends, but I hate Facebook for like business. I don't know. But I do it because you have to. So that's why I know you on Instagram.
2: Dig through it. I know. It's It's hard, but
0: well, thank you. And everyone, I'm doing these every day. Tomorrow night, same time, same bat station. And then during the week, 12 p.m. So even if you can honestly, if you can pop on with just your face and you gotta be at work, like it's just we're just hanging out, you know, it's really you don't have to pay total attention, but just a community to breathe. So thank you all. Have a great rest of your night. We'll talk soon. Bye. Thank you for joining me on this episode of the same 24 hours. Remember to rate review and share this podcast. It really matters. I appreciate it. See you next time.